0: Welcome, Seekers, to episode number 151 of the podcast, God Beyond the Bible, the podcast created by Seekers and for Seekers, and just want to take a moment and tell you, if you've missed us for about a month, we've had a lot of sickness and a lot of stuff going on, and uh, in fact, my wife, Tawana, was really sick there for Mm -hmm. a while, spent about eight days in hospital after we had a little COVID spell, and then she developed pneumonia, and it just kind of, but hey, all is well now, glad to be back, thank you for all your concerns for us and uh, hopefully we'll be back on track now and of course this will be what come out about the first of april
1: yeah the first first week in april
0: first week in april how about shout outs tracy
1: our shout outs are to travis alex and our listeners in houston
2: and ashburn we're glad to have you guys on board
0: you bet you bet
2: our quote this week is from ernest holmes he said spiritual evolution should make the infinite not more distant but more intimate
0: Okay, like that's that. pretty good. I had to think about that a little bit. Of course, our topic, Tabitha gave it away, our topic today is spiritual evolution. And, and it's sort of in the context of our personal spiritual growth, but we're talking more about the collective spiritual growth of the evolution right. of the church mm-hmm. itself, of religion, of organized religion. and uh, But we're not going to leave out you know, the personal growth that we need because we all need to be making spiritual progress. Uh, Generally speaking, in your opinion, does the organized Christian religion encourage or discourage change? Because that's what we're talking about. Evolution is change, right?
1: I think it really discourages change. Um, I think we really brought forth that sort of mentality from our early Catholicism days of
0: tradition tradition
1: trumps all.
0: Yeah, tradition being the most important thing. Sustain the traditions and uh, ignore the facts. (laughs) I don't know if that's true or not. In your opinion, when the organization talks about growth, you know, we're we're affiliated with the church, so we're talking about the church when we say that, you know, the Protestant church. Uh, when the organization talks about growth, are they speaking of personal spiritual evolution and development, or do you think they're talking about growing within the confines of their doctrines and their dogmas of that particular denomination?
2: I mean, honestly, when I hear churches talk about growth, it's honestly about how many people they have? Numbers, yeah, yeah it's, it's a, a numbers, numbers thing, yeah. or how many people? I mean, and you want to make it into a salvation? They'll talk about how many people were saved this yeah. week or at this event. Um, but that's
0: not evolution, is it? No, that's not growth. That's not growing. You're and not. They, that's not growing beyond your own boundaries and perimeters, is it?
2: And I don't think that the growth that the church encourages. I don't know how to say this. I don't think it encourages evolution, spiritual, ev- you know, no. Now, we're not speak- and
0: we're not trying to speak for all. No, um, we know there's no. exceptions to every rule.
2: But as far as, you know, because what does the church usually tell you to grow spiritually? Read your Bible more, pray more, attend Attend, attend. church <laughs> <Yeah>. more. <laughs> get in a group, those get in this group. There's are all things that can be encouraging and helpful, but I don't think that they necessarily encourage you to take that personal step.
0: Let me just ask this, and this is off the. This is getting varying from our little topic thing here. But let me ask you this: uh, if we never move outside our own comfort boundaries, do we ever evolve?
2: No, absolutely not. Can you not.
0: evolve and stay inside a perimeter?
2: I spent twenty five years as a Christian doing just that thing, staying I, inside I the, the perimeter, inside that perimeter, and no, I did not. I really never developed that true personal relationship while I was because I was just trying to follow rules and achieve this, this I, one thing. And I think that kind
1: of it all blends together with I think the church encourages growth, as long as that growth means that you are following the path that we lay out with no acceptance, which we today. know <laughs>
2: is actually not really growth at all. Right, right. And I, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a different thing, and spiritual evolution is a lot different than just growth, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm back. I had to go turn the heat down. I'm glad you getting did. In I here. was hot. Do the leaders of the modern organized church see their main role as that of keepers of the faith? And, and I mean that by saying, in other words, being sure the discussion stays within the limits of our long-established doctrines and traditions. And that includes hymns, instructional literature, and all of that. Are we, you think we pretty well try to really keep that?
2: Why does every denomination have their own Sunday school literature publisher? I mean, yeah. every, you know, it's. And you know, that
0: would be something to talk about. I don't think we have a clue how many billions of dollars
2: oh my are goodness. put
1: into those publishers. Go through yeah. Those, yeah.
0: those publishing houses have to, because I know little churches that we were in. And we'd be looking, and I'd go there, and I'd find out they were paying, uh, you know, 100 to $150 a month per class mm-hmm. for literature. They yep. were spent, you mm-hmm. know, or quarter, I should say, because right, I think they were right. usually three months long. I'll quit moving around here away oh, from the fine. microphone. But anyway, I'm trying to get my jacket thing off. Uh, so, uh, you know, and yeah, the, the hymns, you know, whoever, you, you know, there's the Baptist hymnal. There's the Methodist hymnal. There's... You know,
1: And it's always interested me, especially recently with the advent of the internet and things. Most churches have a website. Larger churches specifically mm-hmm. have a website. And you can go to their website and they will put their statement of beliefs right there. A lot of churches are now putting their statement of belief on the wall, like in a frame well, where you can go and read it.
0: Actually, they've always done that. It. It's called the creed. Have you right. not ever looked yeah. on the wall? Of, I never of,
1: actually read the, the ba- creed because a lot of them were in the old English style writing you know <laughs> up on the wall and I'd have trouble because I was younger when we go to yeah.
2: but then basically it's the tenants of their faith yeah, yeah. What they, where and they stand even some of the websites that I've gone
1: to they will even have like a list of the acceptable teachers for you to listen to Oh, yeah. attending their church, you know, you can listen to this teacher, but don't listen to this guy, you know, and back and forth and have whole lists of things that I, are okay and not okay.
0: I've upset people from the pulpit because yeah. I would uh, mention a quote from, a person that, oh, that person, you know, and it just it yes. ruined the whole message for one, a person that could you know. But you know,
2: everyone said, says something intelligent at some point, <laughs> don't they? Whether you agree with everywhere, stop, every stance A stopped they clock
0: have, is right twice there a day. You go.
1: Yes, there that's you go. it.
0: When a denomination moves towards evolving outside its traditional stance, which is rare and very difficult, but what's the usual reaction of those within that particular organization? And What's the reaction to that of the competing denominations? For example, and we're going to use this kind of this example on down through the list here, but when some denominations, such as the Methodists, see, I lived through this in the 80s, as I was pastoring, some denominations, such as the Methodists, began to allow women in the pulpit, and what's that been, 40, just in the last 40 years or so? I mean, I'm not, folk, Methodist yeah. folks don't call me and say, no, we've been doing that. For, well, I'm just saying, they were the first ones I can remember, and I can remember mm-hmm. how the Baptists just had, a fit because they were actually ordaining women mm-hmm. into well, the de- So what's the usual reaction within that particular organization? You're
2: going to see a split. You're going to see new denominations start. Let's look at a modern. This has happened within the last couple of years. You guys know who Beth Moore is. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yes, yes, yes. She was always big in the Southern Baptist. She's she? always
2: aligned herself. She has been a huge proponent and cheerleader of the Southern Baptist. I mean, yeah. she has her testimony if you've ever listened to it she endured sexual abuse growing up and so she's very much outspoken on Mm -hmm. that subject um she she, that kind of bothered the southern Baptist a little because she doesn't care to bring it out in the church even if there are problems Mm -hmm. inside but one of the biggest things where she made her split with the church is she openly opposed donald trump because of his abusive behavior or what she perceived to be his perceived abusive his behavior. Attitude toward, his
0: attitude toward women, yeah.
2: Um, toward women. And, you know, um, it made him mad because, unfortunately, we have mixed, like we've talked about many times, church yeah, and yeah. politics. So they started calling her that, what's that word? Liberal. She's yeah. a liberal oh, yeah. and a heretic. Yeah. And so she was teaching at a place on a Sunday morning, speaking, And so they just absolutely reamed her. And so she's had to openly make a split from the Southern Baptist Church because of this.
0: Well, you you do know Jimmy Carter. That's why he split from the Southern Baptist. Yes. Their treatment of women.
2: Really? Oh Even yeah, Jimmy.
0: Yeah, Jimmy Carter. Uh, about ten years ago or longer, I was still pastoring, and he he just made a split. He said, "Why I can't be Southern Baptist?" And he said, "Because women are treated second rate, and that's that's just not the but God I know, serve." But you know, they
2: always encouraged her because I attended Southern Baptist churches where we did Beth Moore studies and oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah. But until she stepped wrong yeah. and said something out of line, and it, was with what, and it was political. And it was political. Yeah. And now she's she's no good anymore. You yes. know, and it's sad. It is because she, while I didn't agree with
1: Beth more on everything, she really brought some great points forward. I think she is
2: sincere in what she believes. Yes. Yeah. And that means a lot.
0: The idea of women preaching and pastoring is still a battleground for the Christian religion. Now remember, spiritual evolution is what we're talking about here. So don't lose sight. You think, well, what did this become? Didn't you already do a podcast about women? <laughs> right, this right. Is, okay. The idea of women preaching and pastoring is still a battleground for the Christian religion. Uh, we've talked about this on other episodes, of course. But are women still treated like second-class participants when it comes to the leadership roles in the church? Now, I'm talking about generally. I don't know about all denominations. Uh, it kind of blows my mind the The Pentecostal religion, the Pentecostal denominations, seem to be okay with the women preaching, but yet they still embrace that hair in the bun. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know what I'm saying, I, folks. Don't. I'm, this is the only way. I'm, I'm just grasping here right. for a way to explain this uh, skirt. You know, long skirt, hair in the bun. Even those Pentecostal women preachers are very conservative.
1: Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. I was listening to a podcast one day and the guy said, I don't know what the problem is now. And he was being sarcastic just to, he said, I don't know what the problem is now. Women can do anything that they want in church. They can teach Sunday school. They can cook the dinners. They can (laughs) clean the bathrooms, or they can run the daycare, whatever they want to do. Anything
0: they want to do. Yeah, that's pretty good. Why is it, do you think, that most denominations still don't see this stance on gender being a, you know, they use gender as a factor for determining a person's spiritual ability to lead is, and they use that as a reason to rethink, you know, shouldn't this be a reason for us to rethink the church's long-held position of the divinity of the Bible? Let Let me say this again. Most denominations are still... There's a lot of denominations coming around where women are starting to do things and women are participating mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. church. I mean, that's been going on. That's been evolving. Now, I can remember back when I was a kid in the 60s, if there hadn't been women in the church, there'd have been no one in there. Right. We'd have one pa- We'd have the pastor and one old deacon mm-hmm. in the church I went to, and the rest was women, other than a couple of men that the women drug in. Sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that the women drug in. So, you know, even with that that with the women pretty well running the church they were making all the decisions for the church they were the major voting i mean in the, in the democracy of the church they made all the decisions for the church would that not be a reason to step back and look at the divinity of the bible since it could or or do we do how do we handle that how do we deal with that if everything <coughs> written in the bible is divine how can the church make that departure uh from paul's statement of women being silent in the church and for them to learn from their husbands at home. How do we make that departure so conservative yet we can make these departures? And I guess my question is, if the Bible's divine, isn't all of it divine?
2: But you can't do that because we've we've talked openly about how the Bible contradicts itself. If you take it as divine and you follow every rule in it, you're going to. If you're following one rule, you're inevitably going to break someone else's so, rule.
0: So that's so, why
2: people pick and choose. So we're well, back, I can do this, but I'm not going to worry about so, this one. So
0: really, we decide what we believe about it. Then we al- find a denomination or a group that mm-hmm. will align.
2: Of course. You, with
0: our, is yeah, that how we do it?
2: Yeah i mean that there's no other way to do it if that's what you are If gonna... you grow up as a southern baptist
1: and you begin to find that the southern baptists don't really satisfy what you personally believe you're typically going to start looking into the sort of sister religions the methodist the you mm-hmm. know lutheran things like that and try and find something that aligns or a little one bit of the better.
0: other or maybe one of the other 495 different Baptist.
1: Right. I'm just,
0: yeah. I'm not not being sarcastic. I'm probably underestimating there. I think I'm actually underestimating that. Is the organized church's reluctance to evolve the very reason we have so many denominations? We've already talked about this. Mm -hmm. If a denomination updates its stance on a position, like making women spiritual equals to men, those who disagree with the evolution, what do they do? They splinter off and start their own denomination or some splinter of that denomination, clinging to the old traditions. You know, they we're, we're the old. See, I saw this in a meeting one time between the United Pentecostal Church and the Pentecostal I didn't know there was a difference. I didn't
2: either.
0: And uh, two of pen- my Pentecostal friends were there, both preachers, one a woman, one a man. And uh, well, I just happened to notice it. And I said, well, I noticed United Pentecostal Is there a difference? And uh, I forget... We United Pentecostals believe in the Trinity, and she looked right across the table at.
2: <laughs> Ooh, oh my goodness! It, I guess the others aren't. They don't believe in it, or I, they at least don't take it as.
0: I don't know huh. what that is in it. Just she just glared across the table at this other oh this Pentecostal goodness. preacher. You know, the United Pentecostal. So that's our. You know, that's where we are.
1: So I want to put this forward because it kind of goes along with this discussion, discussion of the different denominations and the splits into them, mm-hmm. because I've always kind of cringed when people talk about, you know, Christianity and we have, you know, 40,000 plus denominations within the U.S. of mm-hmm. Christianity. But what if you step back and you look at each one of those as an evolution toward?
0: Well it is. I think that's the point. I, mean, I think yeah. that's the point we're making. It, the church but the only way the church knows how to evolve, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But mm-hmm. how's the only way the church ever evolves? It has to split.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: There has to be any departure.
2: <laughs> and then they start all over with basically the same thing. It Everything feels except like,
0: this one little point. Yes. Yep. And then they go back to all of the other traditions. Yeah, yeah. we've talked about that, but it's hard to do. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you make something way totally way they, new? The only way they know that we know how to do church is the way we've always done church.
2: Well, and from <laughs> a personal point, since we have made our exit from the church, we've talked many times about a gathering of sorts, and every <laughs> time you just kind of. But how do you keep it from being? Well, because we, you know, eventually you're going to fall back in that hole if it's going to become. Yeah, we've talked like about church.
0: we've talked about here about getting around the campfire and just having a discussion, but you've got to be very careful. Yes. Now, you know, we need to have a dinner when we do this, mm-hmm. and we go, okay, let's take up a collection, and let's so we can. Buy. everybody bring a deal before you do, and then wait a minute. So and so, do you care if so and so comes? Is this open meeting? Can anybody? Yeah. Can we invite anybody? You know. Then all of a sudden, you start having to get some boundaries. You have to start mm-hmm. making boundaries, and you have to start making and when rules. You start making
2: and, rules.
1: Everything goes right back to where it was.
0: Has this dilemma caused the organized church to base its decisions on collateral damage control, much like political parties do when they consider their platform and the fallout that comes from deviating from that platform? I mean, has it become more about keeping its support-based in spiritual growth?
1: Do you remember a few years ago when the Southern Baptists decided to extend membership to same-sex couples?
0: No, I didn't know. I, didn't I don't know. think that's generally accepted in any of the churches I know.
1: They at The convention. But at I the remember, yes, I do remember level, the issue. They, that was
0: 10 years ago or so. Wasn't yeah, there, yeah.
1: They decided that. It was best if they allowed same-sex couples to become members of the church. Of course, they still have rules. They can't teach or preach or
2: hold. <laughs> you a- can become a member, but with restrictions. We'll, we'll, we can't exactly. You- I'm going to be
0: really ugly. We'll take your money. Yeah, we'll let you come exactly. and we'll take your uh-huh. money, but we can't let you participate in any meaningful way.
1: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to But it. no, I mean, that was kind of the <clears throat> and entire point. I'm not saying that's how is- it
0: is now. Everywhere, I'm just saying yeah.
1: You you could come and you could become a member of the church, but they how, did that as a sort of, for lack of better phrasing, to kind of throw them a bone. Like, okay, see, we're liberal, we're letting everybody don't stop supporting us. Yeah. yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, might this be another indicator that the modern organized church, especially here in the West, has modeled its operation after big business and government? I mean, how many times do you hear? That bunch is too literal or vice versa
2: in a religious debate. Let's talk in a religious about that word, liberal, okay? Yeah. I hate hearing people using that in a negative context. Uh-huh. I mean, it's like, how dare someone be for personal liberties? Exactly. And it's coming from these same people who don't want the government involved in whether or not they do this or they yeah. own this or they have this you mean or that. These people
1: who want liberties?
2: Yes, <laughs> but they want you to legislate. So that these other people who disagree with you can't have their liberty, too. Yeah. And that's all it boils and that's down one of the to. Reason,
0: that's one of the reasons that I do lean toward It's not the Green Party, the Libertarian mm-hmm. Party. Yeah. Libertarian Party is let everybody have their rights. As long as your rights aren't infringing on my right to be an American citizen and do what I want to do, then we're all
2: cool. And in all honesty, how many liberties really infringe on your rights? If, if someone wants to...
0: I think we're in the most critical age that we've ever been in on one topic and this is really, I'm observing this, we herald freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. That you're able to, even if your idea is different from my but have you noticed how much, especially since the days of terrorism, since the days of, we've really, and now in this age of internet, where you've got to be careful, you can type something on the and lose your job and career tomorrow.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you I have think-
0: the right to say that unless... Right, and I'm not saying I know these people are saying some ugly things. I'm not, I'm not saying that we. But you see, see how we just always, just always on the fringe. That's been a big deal. I can remember when the big thing was is that certain books had to be in the school because that was freedom of speech, and you couldn't, yeah. you couldn't <laughs> ban those from the school library. You couldn't. Ban- I want to be honest with you now, folks. I'll just get off of this right here and I'll put my little footstool away but but uh, my little podium that I'm standing behind but let me let me just say this the Bible is the most sexually explicit yes. it's the most violent book it's the most inhumane of man's inhumanity to man
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh a ten year old reading that that's, but it's amazing. We want to ban everything that proceed it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, is there anything? There's homosexuality in the Bible. There's everything you can think about. Uh, murder, suicide, I rape, rape I read incest. It. Everything you can think of is on the pages of that Bible.
2: And you'll turn your six-year-old loose with it. I read it, and maybe you guys have heard something about it. But I just read a headline, and I didn't have time this morning to click on it. But it said... Why the Bible should not be Oklahoma's state book. Are they pushing for that to...
0: I didn't know it was.
2: I don't know if it is or if they're pushing. I, oh, I don't know. No, I'll, have is. To do oh, okay. I'll have to look Amen. into that. Okay.
0: Um, Ten. This may be deviating from our topic a bit, but while we're, like we haven't already done that, but while we're <laughs> on the topic of conservative versus liberal based on traditions of the Jewish religion which was the dominant religion of Jesus' day, were they rejecting Jesus for being A, too conservative, or B, too liberal?
2: Liberal. Yeah, if he had been doing everything they wanted him to do,
1: (laughs) there would have been no problem. In their eyes, he was a liberal extremist. Yeah, He was coming in and breaking every law that they had and telling the people, come do it like me. I'm going to show you how to get to God without any of them. Mm -hmm. And that is a direct. Threat to establish well, I'm going to go one step
0: further. Yes, if Jesus came and did to the church today what he did to the organized religion of his
1: day, mm-hmm.
0: would he be accepted?
1: No. Mm-mm. Steve said that, my husband. He's made the comment a lot. He's like, I'm pretty sure that if Jesus was the guest pastor at a lot of churches that they'd just throw him out the door before he even got halfway through yeah. what he had to say.
0: It's always been my opinion that Jesus' main objective was to challenge the antiquated confines of the Jewish religion and to free the people to pursue God on their own terms. I think that's what he was doing when he said, when you pray, you don't have to go to the temple. Just pray like this. Yeah, just
1: just out here wherever you're at. Just
0: talk to daddy. Talk to the father. You know, met him on the hillsides and stuff instead of filling up the temple. I mean, you say, well, but they weren't worried about it. Yes, they were just as concerned because you put the money in as you went in the temple doors. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And if you're not at the temple...
0: Actually, you you paid the money before you saw the show. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, I may be wrong about that, but that was a good joke anyway. Uh, it's always been my opinion that Jesus' main objective was to change the antiquated confines of the Jewish religion and to free the people to pursue God on their own terms. 2,000 years later, has the modern organized church not constructed a religion around Jesus that actually mirrors the confinements of the Jewish religion of his day?
1: I picture this, like, Jesus standing up in church. I've come to set you free, but, like, not totally free. I mean, you're pretty much free, but you still need to follow these rules because you're dangerous when you don't have rules. So you just go ahead and follow these set of rules that I put out for you, but you're free from some of the stuff over there. Right.
0: Or what about if he did come and stood up? How popular would it be to come? And he, he don't even go in the church. He stands in the field over the other side of the church, and there's thousands of people gathered over there. Yeah. And there's 10 people in the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Our topic is spiritual evolution. We often don't allow for the evolution of the characters in the Bible because this is a concept that I hadn't really thought of before. We're all familiar with Paul's writings to Timothy about the women remaining silent. We've talked about that. And in other places where he appeared to portray women as second class when it came to spiritual matters, when it came to godly things. Yet in his closing remarks in the 16th chapter of Romans, he includes uplifts to women to which he attributes his success. We've talked about this before. Many of them operating churches in their homes. In one, he calls her a deacon. Yeah. Being objective, this is either a double standard, or could it be that Paul actually was evolving to accept the contributions that the women made in his day? Have we ever thought of that? You know, we say, yeah, but Paul said he's contradicted himself. He said, let me say why I say this. I had a guy, you guys know who he is. I had a guy say to me because I tried to interject a little spiritual awakening into his life, mm-hmm. just a different way to think about things. And he just really got all beside himself. And one of his statements was, where, does he, where did the Alan Roll and I know, where did he go? Yeah. So see, we don't allow for Paul to evolve? To have evolved as he was writing those I mean, he spent thirty years, guys. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's doing funny. those
0: doing that. You don't think he evolved any? I think You he don't can. think that possibly he didn't have see, when you are writing down in something and then you say it's all divine, he's written in stone. So we've got to make the story say this is the same Paul. So what was he do oh it had to be different. It was just a different situation. We don't ever consider that Paul may have evolved on his stance.
2: Well, and I don't think we're really, because I've never thought about that before, but I'd, I do have a tendency to look at the characters in the Bible as just these static They're
0: frozen characters. in time. They're this frozen. This is
2: what, yeah.
0: This is who he always was. This is who he began as, and that's who he always was. And if
2: you if you hold that stance that the Bible <clears> is God-breathed and everything that was recorded was coming divinely perfect. from his perfect. hand and perfect. Yeah. No human No human. It doesn't leave room for you to.
1: Well, and you can see in Paul's writings, you can watch him sort of, because in his earlier writings, he was very, very much still a Jewish man. I mean, he he was a Christian, but he was very hardcore. And it wasn't even just his stand on, you know, women and things like that. He still brought a lot of that forward. But as he sort of progressed through time, and I think, he started to shed some of those really strict Jewish well, traditions that had he had carried forward with him. And I'm sure it was not easy as many of our, you know, moving forward out of where we've come from mm-hmm. spiritually as he started to evolve where he as he was shedding these things. And you sort of see it. Do you, I wonder if
0: Paul's, I know many times I've looked back, I've looked back at sermon notes I had and said, I can't believe I preached that.
1: What was I thinking? I can't oh believe. I goodness. wonder
0: if Paul ever looked back. I wonder if Paul ever looked back and say, If there's anything I regret writing down in a letter, I regret writing that down.
2: I can look back in the last ten years and see Facebook posts that I and I'm like, Why did, why did, I, I, say did I say something like that? Why so, did so I So even... we're not
0: but we're not gonna give Paul or any of the writers of the new we're not gonna give them any of that? Wow. Chance. See, we don't even factor that. Do we even fact? That's why this was just like an uh, uh, an epiphany to me. Sure. We. I never factored in their spiritual evolution as they were growing. Right. Uh, we have quite a bit of details of Moses' spanning from his birth to his death, about 120 years. Do we ever pick up on the evolution from when he was a heir to the throne of Egypt to his leading the Hebrew slaves out of Egypt and then going through his time with them, 40 years in the wilderness? Will we ever think about that he evolved as he was going? I mean, he was doing something totally new, and he was taking a people that knew nothing about... I mean, he was basically creating a religion because there was nothing. There was no standard. Right. He had no standard here for this serving Yahweh, Jehovah.
2: Well, and I think that because we're taught what the bible says we've talked about it way before we ever really read it yeah you don't really read it as okay what can i glean from this you read it as okay this is what i'm supposed to learn from this story. well
0: we've already got the storyline laid out Mm -hmm. and everything has to match our storyline now we'll alter the storyline just a little to accommodate but we can't alternate from the main course of the story does that make sense Yes. we're all we do that in our lives We're, we're we're trying to write the story when we should just be recording it as it happens we're trying to write the story up ahead yeah. What's going to happen? What should happen? What ought to happen? We'll talk about that more maybe in the next episode. One can clearly see Solomon's evolution when you read the hormone fueled words of the Song mm-hmm. of Solomon. Uh, of course, and you know, all oh, that was God's relationship to the church. That no, was it Christ wasn't. Christ in the church. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Yes. That was a depiction of Christ in the church. <laughs> I don't. I don't even. That's, have that's, any that's just spots. creepy. That creeps me a little it's bit. Weird. That's just a little creepy. Uh, One can clearly see Solomon's evolution when you read the hormone-fueled words of the Song of Solomon to to believe to be written when he was in his 20s. And then the Proverbs believed to be written when he was in his prime as king of Israel for the next 20 or so years. And then we read Ecclesiastes, where he is believed to be in his 80s. And and the book of Ecclesiastes sounds more like doubts and regrets, but really what he's doing is reflecting. Mm -hmm
1: meaningless everything that i thought just like you're talking about going back and posting like
0: going back and posting Mm -hmm. facebook and looking at that and go wow that that that's not where i am you ever pull out an
2: old journal from years ago and you're like and you can just see the progression of hopefully you can hopefully yes
0: but sometimes we want to be in that same place oh i haven't changed i've I've stuck with it Mm -hmm. sometimes we sometimes we think that god is his desire for us is no change Matter of fact, let's go back and live like they did 2,000 years ago.
2: There
0: you go. Did Jesus evolve? Now, before you answer that, that is a loaded question. (laughs) Did Jesus evolve? Luke's account of Jesus' birth and complete childhood up to adulthood is covered all in the second chapter of Luke, right? Mm -hmm. What we call the go-to, the Christmas story. With minimal effort, we can see that Luke obviously gleaned his account from Jesus' mother, Mary. Luke 2.52, he ends chapter 2 the Christmas story with this. He sums up Jesus' period of birth from adulthood with these words. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and with all the people. Now, Luke stated that Jesus grew. First of all, is that not evolution?
1: It is. It is. Second
0: of all, Luke stated that Jesus grew in favor with God. Is that not spiritual evolution?
1: I think it has to be. Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, you, you, we don't think of Jesus. Do you ever? I've, I've pointed this out while I was still in the church. Look, he evolved from the person he was when we first at 12 years old. And then we didn't see him again until he was 30 years old. Mm-hmm. He didn't pop up again until he was th- Unless you go to some of the Tibetan records and some of the monks and stuff. Mm-hmm. He was Issa, I-S-S-A.
1: Yeah, there's some actually really interesting it's reading very, about it That he
0: made a journey after he left. I said it was after he was 12, between the time he was 12, he went all through. They've got an area mapped out of where he went and how he influenced the other religions, even the Buddhist really? monks. Why yes. was
2: his name? Because, because his
0: because name
1: that, wasn't
2: Jesus either. His right. name and was, that means,
0: I think Issa means Messiah. Messiah.
2: Okay,
1: uh-huh. that's what I was wondering <laughs> yeah. is what the
0: meaning <laughs> yeah. was behind yeah, it. so uh, in their language.
1: Right.
0: Okay, true or False. Challenging the long-held doctrines and traditions of the organized religion is often a starting point for spiritual evolution and personal spiritual growth. you think that's true?
1: Yeah, I think the more that you lean into the questions, the more you're going to grow and evolve as a spiritual being. We're
0: closing here but I think I mentioned this and there's a lot of people I know that when I use Rob Bell's name they just, you know, (laughs) I don't agree with everything Rob Bell said but he's where he is and that's, and you know. And that's okay. But I picked up a book at the Dollar Tree that shows you how (laughs) <laughs> but that was my first introduction to Rob Bell and i just go to the book section and just see what was a dollar and mm-hmm. if it seemed spiritual I'd just pick it up it didn't matter what it was and read it and some were good and some just I couldn't get through but anyway what, Rob Bell was a pastor if you don't know this story he was a pastor and his whole great awakening came he was on his way to preach a Sunday morning Easter service and he said I, went, I just started having all this doubt about what I was saying and what I was preaching he said it was awful said the sermon was awful and he said you know I'm going to have, I'm just paraphrasing here. I'm going to have to plunge into these doubts. I'm going to have to research these because I can't, I can't do this. He said, I wasn't even believing what I was saying. And he said, it just came up on me all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. And he said, I wasn't even believing what I was saying up there. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And he said, this started my, that's what he said. If I'm remembering it right, Right. started his, it's kind of the way up. But he inspired me to go ahead and, Dive into the question. Just ask the question and ask it not from your religious point of view. Just ask the question like a person that was curious about your religion would ask. Why do you why do you do so and so? Why do you think so? Why do you say God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are all one and they're the same person?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And why do you do that? Why do you think that? Why and when you start researching, you start finding out that man has really put his opinions even on the pages of the Bible. Yeah. But especially in the interpretation. But all of that, anybody got anything else to say?
1: No, I think we pretty well summed it up.
0: Spiritual evolution. I'm for it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, may God's unconditional grace, peace, and love be in, on, Radiate out from each of you, our fellow seekers, from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible.
1: Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at GodBeyondTheBible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at GodBeyondTheBible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.